Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid talking way too loud as everyone just completely shuddered the way I just did that. We are here. It's me, Omar Zini, and we've got the legend himself, Milch Hildebrandt, on the podcast. Now, I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit here for the audience here. Uh, we've had Mitch on the podcast before, but let's just say the audio quality wasn't to the level that we want to give to our audience. Uh, Technical so, difficulties. Yeah. yeah. Technical difficulties. It, it happened because Mitch was in Appalachian State at the time. And, yeah. you know. Mount, uh, mountains aren't too friendly with headphones, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, now you're in the lovely confines of the hand, uh, otherwise known as Michigan. The mitten. And, uh, we call it the mitten. You guys called it the mitten? Oh, it's back in the mitten, dude. There's no fingers. Look at Michigan. There's no fingers. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I never thought about that. That's yeah. very true. The mitten is actually, and also it's what, like negative 30 degrees. So like it makes sense that you guys would uh, yeah. would call it the mitten. Um, so guys, what we're going to do today is- We can all live like, in LA. <laughs> no, dude. Hey, honestly, too, today it was like 63 degrees. Okay. So- Did you wear your winter coat? I did. I actually, look, I have it right here. Oh, wait. Why am I- no one on the audience is going to be able to see this. I'm just like pointing to the jacket. I'm like, hey, you guys, check this out. And they're like, mm, it's not on video. Nope. nope. We can't see this. All right, this, this show's already all over the place, but it's going to be cool because we want to do it like this. What we want to do today, guys, is uh, we have Mitch on. And for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with Mitch, he's a legendary goalkeeper. Before there was Spencer Ritchie at FC Cincinnati, there was Mitch Hildebrandt. He had some of the most remarkable performances. Uh, you were still goalkeeper of the year at one point, right? Yeah, uh, first year. God, that's incredible. That is just such an incredible. And then went on to play in the MLS, even won a, even won, won a title with Atlanta United. Um, and now, now, Mitch, what are you up to? Uh, now I'm in the um, business world, um, I guess, if you want to say that. But no, I'm selling real estate, you know, just kind of starting out, moving back to Michigan and uh, yeah, just trying to get the business off the ground. So what we're trying to tell all the kids out there, dreams come true. It <laughs> all sure comes full circle. And that's what we circle. wanted to you do just this gotta spend, You just got to spend seven years as a pro soccer player, and then ultimately you get to be a real estate agent. Yeah. That's, in fact, I think <laughs> that's a prerequisite to the, get the, uh, the, the license in Michigan, right? You got to play seven yeah. years pro? Yeah, that's a prequel. Yeah, you got <laughs> you to be a seven-year professional athlete to get a real estate license here in the state of Michigan. So that's kind of why I did it. That's a that's incredible. I'm, I'm glad Chauncey Billups is selling some real estate up there too. You know, it's, it's going well. Hey, ben Wallace, you know all those guys. Ben Wallace, <laughs> dude. How I would love, I would honestly love if Ben Wallace was in the office with you right now. That would be incredible. I'd just be like, oh, dude, this is the best. If you have a Detroit Tigers, I man, wouldn't. He'd be taking all the listings. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be taking all the listings. There's no chance I'd be able to compete with him. He just so pushed me uh, out of the way. Let's, so let's talk about this here, guys. Uh, the reason we have Mitch on, as you can tell, Mitch is, uh, has decided to, uh, to call it a career. And uh, Omar and I had to call it a career for, for different reasons. And uh, a lot of people get this question to us. And they go, oh, you know, awesome. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to play for, until I'm 100. And, you know, uh, what should I do when I'm done playing? You know, what should I get into coaching? Should I, you know, uh, just live on that island that I bought, you know, with all the millions that I made? And I go, hmm, well, you know what? I think some of you guys need a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a, of a reality check here. And I feel like we need to kind of help some people along the lines so that the kids out there understand that your playing career is finite and you need to have a plan after you're done playing. Right, Omar? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I mean, whether it's, whether it's planned or whether you kind of, you know, have a provisional idea of what you're going to do, I think it's definitely, uh, it's good. It's good to know, but I mean, I never thought I was going to get into coaching or do what I'm doing now. So it kind of just, you know, I was able to turn over a bunch of different stones and kind of figure out which one I, I like the most. And luckily I figured it out. So I wouldn't say you need to, you know, be so obsessive with it while you're playing, but at the same time, you know, think about what you want to do, whether it's go back to school, go into real estate, whatever it is, just make sure you have an idea of what you want to do because one injury away or just kind of burnout or whatever, that, whatever it is, you, eventually your career is going to end and it's good to have a plan B. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the kids out there who are listening, you know, what we're saying, don't, don't be scared or anything like that. Like go, go after your dream, like go after it. But at the same time, you know, you want to make sure that you're a full, well-rounded human being. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've run into people 18, 19, 20 years old. And they're like, I just got cut. I don't know what I'm going to do now. They literally just have no clue what they're going to do now with the rest of their lives because they didn't put any, any focus into it. So let, let's talk about this, Mitch. Uh, you just recently retired, obviously. What, kind of, what, what are some of the variables that like, come into play when people make a decision on whether they're going to retire or not? Yeah, I think it's, it depends on the person, right? You know, I was fortunate enough where uh, I wasn't forced to retire. You know, I didn't have an injury. So with me, it just kind of came up to, to certain factors, family. Uh, life, you know, quality of life, you know, the, the body starts hurting after hitting the grounds after, after 30 years. So just things like that, but I don't take anything back and there's no regrets. But with me calling it a day was just kind of 30 years in the making and, you know, it just uh, felt like time. So Omar, did you feel injuries was kind of one of the reasons why you decided to hang it up too? Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I said, stated on the show a few times, I got tore my ACL when I was uh, 22, I think going on 23. And after I tore it, I just realized, I mean, uh, you're out for so long. I was sitting on a couch. My body was, you know, completely convinced that it was done hitting the ground. Um, and then I decided I was going to try and come back. I had an opportunity to uh, try out with the galaxy USL and, uh, it just, you know, my body just wasn't reacting the same. I, I didn't feel like I could be, you know, get, get myself back in shape. And then also too, like I'm not in a team environment anymore. And I'm more of a person who is, is pushed by a team and is influenced by a team to get myself back in shape. So when I didn't have the team setting around me, I didn't have a, you know, a specific doctor to tell me, Hey, this is what you can do with your knee. I kind of said, you know what, eventually my body just could, you couldn't take the beating anymore. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, Real quick, uh, is there something in the background? Yeah, I feel like there's something. Uh, I thought it was like somebody who was like commenting on like what Omar was saying. They were just like, <laughs> I, I never, like oh, I you never. know what? Actually, we watched you at that USL tryout. And to be honest with you, actually, that was not the reason. Uh, <laughs> your, your poor foot skills. No, um, that would <laughs> never be that with Omar. It would never be that if you watch his videos. You know, was talking about the injuries hitting the ground 30 years. Omar's talking about, you know, the ACL and, you know, we're all talking about quality of life. And obviously, you know, you want to be able to swing a golf club. You want to be able to shoot a basketball, you know, as you get older, you don't want to all of a sudden be, you know, confined to your couch. So you have to look into those factors too. So what are some of the other issues other than just kind of trying to play through an injury that, that kind of players face? when they're making this transition. You know, obviously, Omar was talking about being in a team setting. You know, that's a strict, rigid environment where like, hey, I've got to be at training at this time. This is my whole schedule. It's like being at school still. And then all of a sudden, you're not in that anymore. And it's like, I remember like when I first stopped playing, I was like, oh, wait, 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 what do I, the what do, I do today? Like, yeah. do I 
do I work out right now or do I work out at six? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, but a lot, a lot of people face that though, Mike. I think mean, that's the, I think that's, I mean, I didn't mean to say it, but I think now that you've brought it up again, it's, it's so true though, because I know a lot of people, once they're done and they, let's say, for example, you're done with, uh, with playing and on, in college, the season is in fall. So whether you have an extra semester or another two quarters, like I did, you know, your life continues to move on, but there's still a void that's missing. And whether you're in school or, you know, you finished up school and you've graduated, it's like, what can I fill that time with? And luckily for me, you know, I was able to, I fell in love with the gym. So I was going to the gym a lot and that was my outlet and my, you know, my source of, of, you know, staying in shape and staying somewhat close to being, you know, physically active, played some basketball a little bit, you know, did all that stuff. But a lot of people struggle with filling that void. And if it's not the gym, they, you know, they, I wouldn't say like, I don't know what the, the, the worst cases can happen, but I know some people who, who end up, you know, just becoming very depressed because they don't have that outlet anymore. Um, I don't know, Mitch, does that happen to you or did that happen to you at all? Yeah, for me, um, you know, the, the missing the structure and the team aspect was, was difficult when it first started out because, you know, you go there and you're surrounded by guys on the team in the locker room and you miss that camaraderie, you miss that, that teamwork. And then when it comes to structure, you know, it was, it was difficult because um, I went from a very structured life uh, practice. These are when you eat. This is when you go to team meetings. This is when you travel. You know, everything was planned out for you, especially in the MLS. You know, you get an email. This is where you need to be. And this is what we're doing. To go from that to what I'm doing now, which is all on my own time, what gets done is what I do. And, you know, I don't get paid if I don't do what I need to do. You know, my business tanks. So going from somebody else telling me, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z and we'll be successful. It's all on me now. So that transition and that mindset needs to change. It's, it's not just go to work and do what I know how to do, but now I go to work and I have to figure out what I need to do and then do it. So what do players need to avoid? Okay, because you were talking about depression, uh, Omar. I, I fell into that depression. I gained probably 30 pounds after I stopped playing. What happened with me and for, for the audience who's not familiar is I had a labral tear in my left hip and uh, it was going to require surgery. They said it was going to be um, a hip impingement. They were going to have to shave the bone down, narrow narrow my hips in order to be able to allow me for full range of motion. Um, it was going to be probably about a, a year process. And at the time I was like, you know what? Uh, I think this coaching thing sounds decent. I think I'm uh, <laughs> I think, think comedy sounds awesome. I think uh, that sounds a lot less painful. Um, so I went, I went that direction and not being able to, I didn't do this surgery, which meant I had to rest for, I think it was about anywhere from like three to five months before I could actually do any sort of activity just to allow that, that inflammation to go down and that aggravation. And I gained like 30 pounds. I was really depressed, uh, not being able to go out there and, and, and strike a ball, you know, go out there and play and, and all of that. And, um, you know, I think that's a real, real problem because I needed that outlet in order to keep myself sane as a human being. That competition kept me going. And, when it's just you driving yourself, it's a lot, lot harder, you know? Yeah. Um, no, you're right. It's a, like what Mitch said too, like even with my business as well, Mike, with your business, it's like you have to be self-motivated. You have to be the one who sets the initiative, sets the structure, sets the schedule for yourself. And we're just so used to it and we've lived our, all our lives being kind of accountable to somebody else. And somebody says, Hey, this is what we need to be. We send you the itinerary, be here, be here, be here. And if you show up late or whatever, there's, you know, repercussions. And now it's like, if you show up later, you don't do the, the right stuff that you need to do. 
the only person who's being affected is you. So I think that was my, my biggest transition in, in life really after soccer was, or even after my, my playing career was how am I going to stay in shape so I can, you know, feel happy at the end of the day and feel good that I've exerted some energy towards, you know, keeping myself in shape at the same time too, business wise, how can I keep myself in, in a good structure and, you know, motivated and disciplined to make sure that I'm also making money for myself. I don't have kids yet, but, uh, you know, this sentence would have been a lot better for myself and my kids, but, uh, you know, to do that. So I think that's definitely the biggest speed bump when it comes to, you know, post-playing career. But like Mike said earlier, if you have somewhat of an idea or just a skeleton, at least before you end up finishing, it's going to be a smoother transition. So you don't have to kind of pick up the pieces like I did. Yeah. It sounds like Mitch, like you knew when you were, when you were playing that you had a plan after, after you were done playing. You know, and uh, and some people say, oh, well, you're going to go into coaching, right? That's that's what everyone does when they're done playing. And, you know, it takes a certain type of person to be a coach, to be a teacher. Not every player is 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 wired to want to do that or or to work with certain youth ages, let's say, or they'd rather work with adults or whatever. So is coaching always the best option to stay involved in the game or are there are there other ways that, you know, former players can stay involved that are good? Um, yeah, I don't think that coaching is necessarily the avenue that every player obtains. I mean, I know a lot of players that just got out of soccer fully. Do I want to do that? No. I want to stay in the game, you know, whether it's goalkeeper clinics or, or just speaking. Um, I'm actually going to go and speak to a bunch of local clubs kind of about my journey and kind of put it into their mind about, you know, it's a difficult thing, you know, becoming a pro, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. So you know, maybe one person from your local club will become a professional. And when kids like realize that um, it's not the Messi's and the Ronaldinho's and the, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, it's, it's a lot of struggle. You know, it's, it's um, you know, living in your car if you need to during trials. It's certain things that kids don't understand. And I think that's my, you know, with my career progressed, you know, not getting drafted and going from Minnesota, the NASL to the USL and then up to the MLS, I think I, I can speak to help these kids throughout their journey rather than just on the field. So that's kind of how right now I'm going to stay in the game. But, you know, you look at players all over the place, you know, perfect example down in Atlanta, you know, Carlos. Carlos isn't coaching, but he's, you know, directly impacting a championship club um, with his knowledge of uh, the European game and, and the MLS. So, you know, the, what he's doing down there uh, along with, the, you know, Darren in, up in the front office just to put a quality side on the field, I think, brings tremendous value to where he was as a player. So there's, there's a lot of aspects, you know, that guys can do and where they can take, like you said, people just aren't wired the same. Um, And do I see myself out there, you know, coaching seven, eight, nine-year-olds maybe in the future, but right now um, I'm just not wired for it, you know, and and it takes a very special person, just like I could never teach a kindergarten class, you know, I couldn't, (laughs) couldn't do it. It takes a very special person to do that. So, Oh yeah. um, You know, definitely for sure. I mean, like, (laughs) I think my favorite thing is I think right now is like, you're just running this scared straight program where you're just going to local clubs and like, being like, (laughs) Like, you know, like those faces, like those meth heads or whatever, like this is, this is what happens to you if you pursue a professional career. So uh, <laughs> just be, just realize this is what it is. If you want to go this direction. No, um, honestly, dude, honestly, I, I think a lot of the kids out there listening, like we're not just talking about being a professional. And then like at the end of your professional career, some of you, your the end of your career might be college. It might be high school and, and you need to you've got a whole life ahead of you. And so you've got to have these other outside things. Like you're talking about Carlos Bocanegra guys, a legend guys, a legend 
but he knew that there was a finite amount of time that he was going to play. And then he decided to go that executive path. And now he's what he's a president of operations for Atlanta United, right? Uh, he's the he's the GM and technical director. So GM and technical director. Yeah, so the president is Darren Eagles, which is okay. from he's from um, England. But you know, Carlos is the one that you know puts puts the team on the field. So um, yeah, he's he's not coaching it every day, but he's directly affecting the the product and and the game. So my advice is a lot of a lot of guys out there when you're in college right now, if you're playing in college, like take courses that you think are going to benefit you when you're done playing you know, uh, business courses. I wish I had taken business courses because honestly, I focused on theater communications, which is a waste of time. Like no one, honestly, like this, this is communications right now, guys. This is, this is what a communications degree <laughs> gets you. It gets you a podcast in your room. I have one. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a communications guy as well. So, but, but so take classes, marketing, you know, things like that, because these are things that are going to benefit you in the long run, especially if you want to stay involved in the game and you want to start working in front offices, um, or, or, or in lower division programs and, and working on the youth side as, as a DOC, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I, w- I would say, especially too, I want to kind of flip it as well, is that if you're still playing and you'd say you're in college, you're in high school, or even, you know, even you're professional, I would say try and get into coaching while you're still playing because unfortunately, once I finished playing, I became way more cerebral my approach to goalkeeping and understanding certain techniques and why you know why you step here why you take your shoulder there why you know why is it better to come out for this cross in the situation and when you start breaking down the film there I think you start having a different mindset towards goalkeeping and I'm you know I'm, I'm going back I'm playing a tournament this this coming summer uh, I told you about it in my in uh, Armenia Mike so I'm, I'm going to be playing so I'm, I'm kind of excited just to see Everything that I you're not just playing in a tournament in Armenia. It's not like you're going to like a men's recreation <laughs> tournament in Armenia. You're playing in the Armenian games, Omar. I know. Which, it's... <laughs> uh, which you believe that there's three Armenian goalkeepers in all of the United States, and uh, <laughs> Omar is one of those two. Uh, that's no. awesome. That's, that's awesome, amazing. dude. That's congratulations. That's huge, dude. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Is... I'm excited, but that's that's to bring it bring it full circle with the point that I'm trying to make with this is like, if you're still playing, get into coaching and try and kind of just see it from a different perspective because I'm pretty sure that you're going to start realizing and seeing different parts of your game that you can definitely improve while you're still playing. So try and capitalize on that while you still can. And uh, whether it's young kids or older kids, whatever your sessions you know have, you're going to start feeling an understanding of, of the position a little bit more. And then once you're done, if you want to get into coaching, at least you've set that foundation uh, from an early age. And I think uh, I'm not saying I did it while I was still playing. I wish I would have, but um, I definitely kind of regret that. So that's my biggest piece of advice. And uh, Mitch, I know you're, you know you're coaching a little bit now too, or you were for a little bit. So do you feel like that's, that's something that's helped you and maybe may have changed a few things in your game? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that when I was coaching during, even when I was playing, um, you know, you kind of realize why people were telling you to do certain things and then you see the game a little bit different. And then when I stepped away and I started to kind of coach a little bit more when I was in North Carolina, um, you know, you see the game in a, in a more tactical way, rather than just going out and doing it. And I think I would add to what you're saying when guys can just figure out if it's for them, you know, while they're playing, you know, they take some sessions here, take some sessions there. And then they know, okay, I, I want to coach or they know, okay, I don't want to coach. I need to figure something else out because the, the career is like we said, you know, 
doesn't last forever. So if they jump out of it and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to coach. And then a year into it and they're like, Oh, this, this is not what I want to do. And now they, they don't know, you know, where they are. So there's a lot of reasons that I totally agree with you. One big one. Also one last piece I'm going to say is that if you are still playing and I guess, uh, again, if it's a college or wherever it is, make sure you use your networking and your contacts now. I think that's like my biggest, biggest regret when it comes to uh, getting into coaching later in my, in my life. I wish I would have stayed you know, close to my Galaxy family. I would have stayed closer to my college team. Um, I, I was a graduate assistant with Davis and I, I somewhat helped with the goalkeepers. We already had a goalkeeper coach, so I wasn't the, the hands-on guy, but I was able to at least use that connection to keep myself around a team setting and keep myself in a position where I was still learning and forced to watch film with the goalkeepers. And on, and on some occasions I was, you know, forced to create a session plan with like the coaches saying 25 minutes, Omar. So figuring out how to, you know, make a quick session like that. But I think that's another thing too, is whatever you're doing in your career network like crazy, because like you said, Carlos Bocanegra is in the business side of things and the operational side of things. Um, then you have, you know, uh, professional goalkeepers that finish. We spoke to uh, Alec uh, Dufty yesterday. Uh, well, again, you know, this is going to be dated, so I don't know. We, we, we spoke to him, the goalkeeper coach at Sporting Kansas City, and he's, you know, he played in the MLS as well. So from there, he was able to stay close to Peter Vermees. And then from there, he got to, you know, got the position. So it's just like, if you continue to network and build your name and your profile, your resume, and you show the people around you that you're serious about something or career path and you show interest, those people because of knowing you, because knowing you, they're going to try and give you uh, the best piece of advice, or at least, you know, give you a, a hand to try and get you in that position to get your foot in the door. Or, or just become the most world-renowned, you know, one of the most world-renowned Oakland University goalkeepers. And then like, they have <laughs> to bring you back, Mitch, right? Isn't that the way it works? It's like you and Steve, right? Basically. Oh uh, yeah. It's um, I mean, actually Eric's already talked to me, but uh, speaking of which, I mean, you know, Steve, Steve's out in Portland now and to stay part of the coaching, the, the analytical part, you know, he's a very, very smart guy. And uh, even though sometimes he's a bit crazy, um, but, <laughs> but I love the dude. Um, Did he really live like in behind, behind the, the field woods. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, he did. We're talking about Steve Clark from Portland Timbers, by the way, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. He's a good buddy of mine. He's a great friend. Him and his wife are are fantastic, but he, uh, he actually does all the video analysis for Oakland. So while he's playing, you know, with Portland and he's watching his own film and doing that, you know, kind of of himself, he's able to turn the script and watch other games and break them down and he's amazing at it you know i've seen his his analysis and but he's able to switch that from a player to a coach and that's how he kind of stays in that mindset where he uses his contacts like ormar was saying you know back at oakland where he's able to get a different game each i mean in college you know wednesday saturday wednesday saturday he can do it, you know, two, three times a week and still progress in that aspect of his game. So yeah, like you said, you know, just little things that you can, you can do along the way will help. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and if you're like, if you're like me and you're like, so here's the thing. So I'm, I'm five, eight and a quarter. I was listed at five ten, Um, but let, I'm like Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah. And I'm seven foot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Like Kyler Murray, number one uh, NFL draft pick, who's apparently now five ten or five eleven or whatever they said that he was. Five Ten and a quarter, or yeah, an we'll eight, and an eight. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. I, I kind of knew going into it. I was like, you know what? I have a feeling this may not go in my favor at some point. So uh, I should probably start focusing on it. And what I did, and Omar is absolutely correct about that, is like developing a network. Is like, you know, one thing that I, I really appreciate you always say about me, Omar, is that you know I always try to learn from everybody that I meet, and also stay in touch with everybody that I meet. 
so that it's somewhere down the lines we can all collaborate together and work together. Well, you helped um, me out with my job. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how I got Cal State LA. I mean, you, you connected me with somebody and then at least you put my, my name in the, in the hat. And then I put my foot in the door. And then from there, obviously the coach came and saw me train and it was a good fit, but I would have never had that connection or that way of kind of getting in, in, into this opportunity without knowing somebody like you or knowing, uh, or even for you too, like you having that connection to connect somebody else. It's just, it's a weird when you start drawing the lines and everything in life, how, how things pan out, but no, I appreciate that. And then but a lot, a lot of these things happened for me because I played with these people. I played with E Rush. You know, I played on on teams with E Rush and stuff like that. And that's how I, that's how I knew him. And uh, you know, look, I didn't know at the time when I was playing with them. I was like, hey, you know what? One day this guy's gonna be a coach and it's gonna benefit me or somebody that I know or whatever. But it's you start establishing these relationships and and you use that network outside of just playing in the game. Like you're talking about, you know, with with Steve with the Oakland University connection, Mitch. You know, I mean. Obviously, I'm sure, you know, some of the opportunities that you're getting presented now are based on people that you met during your playing career, which is obviously, you know, allowing you things that may not have been there if you had just kind of been a loner and kept to yourself and not really kept a network. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the relationships that I built um, are definitely going to help me out through my new career. But I mean, I've just always been like that. I you know, the reason that I still, still speak to you after our onstage performance, after I was just ripped apart is because, is because I like people. I like talking to them. I like what other people bring to the table. The relationships that you create with people not only help you the day that you meet them or the week that, you know, they're doing something for you. It's, you know, two, three, four, five years later, when you can go back and you can give back to a bunch of, of kids at a club or, you know, these guys, you know, the club that I'm going to speak to next week, the Nova Jaguars, I haven't played for them since, you know, I was 10 years old and I moved to the Michigan Wolves, but I still kept in contact with all those coaches and the, the uh, director of coaching for the Michigan Jags, Paul Tinian, you know, I still speak to him and I called him up and just kind of like, Hey, here's an idea. And he thought it was great. And so we're going to set something up. So I'm still speaking to people that I had probably, you know, didn't, they didn't do anything for me or I didn't do anything for them for, you know, 10, 15 years. But, you know, you just keep that, keep that up and it can help you whatever you do. Yeah, no, I, I think the, uh, the thing is, is that like, we're lucky because we have the goalkeepers union, you know, um, some people, let's just say some of the other field players maybe feel like they're a little bit more in competition with each other, even though we're really the ones the most in competition because only one (laughs) goalkeeper can really play on the field. Yet we feel this weird connection with some other random weirdo that wants to do this too. Um, (laughs) so we're, we have a benefit for that. So I, I, my advice is, is to younger goalkeepers out there is, is like become friends with all the goalkeepers that you meet. Like for real, because we're all going to stick together and we're all going to open opportunities. Like I knew the second I'd never met Mitch before when we did the World Cup comedy tour last year, but we, we talked on the phone. You seem like a cool dude. And then when we met in person, it was like we have an immediate connection because we're goalkeepers. Dude, you're going to go into a job interview one day. And if it happens to be that it was through a connection with somebody who was who was also a goalkeeper. Like that's going to open some doors for you that you might not have just because if you were just a random person coming in for for an interview, you know, just because sure. we have a we have a certain spiritual connection where where we I, I don't know how else to say it. It's <laughs> brethren, you know. No, where, wasn't it wasn't it a uh, a university commercial where there was a bunch of people interviewing for a job and then the they walk. Hat. 
the bald guy. Yeah. 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 And so it was all about, okay, the connection and making the connection with people. And I think that's, that's, you know, it's important in all aspects of life. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. And then I want to move on to the, some fun stuff here, by the way, we're going to play that game again. I've changed it up, but it's going to be amazing. And for the audience who doesn't know what I'm talking about, you're going to see this game that we, we played. <laughs> what advice would you guys give to players before they start regarding their post career and what advice would you give to players that are at, at the end of the career that are getting ready to retire? What are like the three things you would tell them? Kind of like, like, like as if, as if, and I know the 18 year old won't listen to you. So this is more <laughs> like internal advice. I think, no, I think we've covered most of it. I think just, you know, uh, network for sure. While you still have the opportunity to, because, uh, the career will end at some point and there's going to be somebody who's going to be more popular than you in terms of the goalkeeping position. Like when you're the starter, when you're the, when you're the guy, try and, you know, be a good person while you do all that stuff and then create connections network. And the second thing I would say is have a plan B, have an idea of what you want to do. What are your interests? Don't just, you know, think that soccer is going to make you a ton of money and it's going to be something you retire on because I mean, even when you're 35, let's say, or when you're 40, Buffon is still super young. And when he, when he ends up retiring, he's going to have, you know, 30, 40 more years to live. You know what I mean? So just having the money is not enough. You have to find something that you're passionate about. He'll probably get into broadcasting and sports, but um, with you, what I would tell kids as well is at a certain point, you need to start documenting your life and in documenting, like how I do sometimes with my sessions or just documenting like a vlog series. Like I have a buddy of mine right now who has, you know, a quarter of a million subscribers on YouTube and he just started vlogging and trying to do, you know, helping kids by sharing his stories about his playing career. And I'm sure Mitch, if you probably had a second chance at it, I don't know if you're, if you love the camera or not, but having the opportunity to kind of just follow yourself and tell kids, Hey, this is what it's actually like. You know, I'm actually not going to be the start of this, you know, this game. I'm upset about it. Let me tell you why. And then you kind of share those experiences and then you build a personality, you build a profile with these, with these kids. And then from there, you can actually have camps or, you know, have uh, seminars where you speak to kids and things like that. So there's a lot of opportunities where you can use your likability to try and, um, you know, enhance your, your post career life. Uh, but those two things I would say is just network and have a plan B and have an understanding of what you're good at, at a young age and don't rest on your laurels. Don't get complacent just because the soccer career is, is going well. <clears throat> Taylor Twelman's career was going really well. Unfortunately he had, you know, a bunch of concussions and he had to finish early. You know what I mean? So like everything can be going well. And then all of a sudden uh, life happens and you kind of have to adjust. So make the adjustment period easier for yourself. Mitch, anything else you would add on to that? Or did Omar just basically say the words Sorry of wisdom that. <laughs> that we all... No, that's okay. It's totally cool. By the way, would anyone else like to see... I was just... All I could think of as, as Omar was giving this fantastic advice was just like Buffon as a sportscaster, like as a commentator, because I think that would be just amazing. He'd be terrifying. He would be <laughs> terrifying. Do you imagine just him critiquing a goalkeeper? I'd be like, oh God, I must be the worst goalkeeper in the world if he was just giving me that. I saw... Actually, as a coach would be funny. I watched today Peter Schmeichel. He was giving uh, like his best tips for the modern day goalkeeper and just like, you know, uh, what to expect and how he would train goalkeepers and what, he, you know, his, his career experiences. And you would think, you know, somebody of his stature would just be like, you just look at him and you go, wow, he's going to be super sharp, very, very smart. But sometimes, you know, it's hard to articulate your words. Like, I know, Mike, you have so much information, but at the same time, you articulate it really, really well. For me, sometimes, like, luckily, I have the editing process where I can kind of, I can chop it up and make sure I sound good and erase all, any little awkward silences or whatever. But it's not, it's, it's not easy for sure. There's no awkward silences because the thing is, is that you just, uh, you, you make it seem like a dramatic pause. Like that's why when Mitch is on mute, it's just a dramatic pause. And then he like enters into the conversation. <laughs>
right? No, it's all um, about making an entrance, boys. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. See, it's all about it's all about how you present yourself, just like uh, that that uh, that confidence as a goalkeeper. Um, all right, guys. So basically, uh, don't try it. It's uh, not worth it. Uh, don't waste your time. <laughs> go play basketball or something else. You know that you're not going to be able to uh, make make a career out of yourself. Golf. No, uh, go play yeah, golf. golf. Yeah, become a golfer. No, do whatever you want. Uh, just be a well-rounded human being and, and be good to everybody around you and you're going to have a, a successful career. Maybe even one day you get to run a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I think I think the one thing that I would add um, is I think I would combine with what you just said with everything that Omar said. It's just about being a good person. Um, you know, things, things come full circle. And if you're a jerk when you're growing up and you're, you're an entitled kid because you're good at soccer, it's going to come back around and coaches at the pro level don't want to deal with that. There's a hundred guys that are just as good as you. And if you're going to single yourself out and if you're just going to be a bad dude, then it's going to come around to you. And then when you're done with soccer, no one's going to want to work with you. So I think my, my best thing is just you know, be a, be a good person that, that likes relationships, that likes people. And, uh, you're going to go a lot further than if, uh, if you think you're better than somebody, because no one's better than anybody. It's, uh, you know, just because you're good at soccer or good at another sport, uh, it really doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. Um, there's people that have it, uh, a lot worse than, than us. So, you know, just, just, uh, live life and, and enjoy it. I think that's just great words to live by. You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I know we're talking about post-career, but it was just making me think about just in route to being a good person. People always say to me, you know, and I'm going to bring it back to me. Uh, and I'm not going to say something self-deprecating this time. It's actually going to be uh, actually boastful. Uh, people always go, hey, you don't seem that good. Um, and you don't seem that athletic. And you're small. How did you play at all the levels that you played at? How did that happen? And I just go, Everybody liked having me around. Like, <laughs> honestly, everyone just kind of like, like, I feel like the coaches were like, well, if we have to keep like a third string keeper, it's, I mean, that dude's like good, but like, it's kind of a douche. And like this, I don't know, this guy's funny. <laughs> like, at least this guy's funny. <laughs> like, and he'll literally do whatever we ask him to do. So it's all about the banter. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like finishing drills. They're like, throw that guy in there. We don't care about his body. That. <laughs> That works, and he seems to say funny stuff in the locker room. It's totally worth it. No, but that's, that's I mean, it's like uh, just kind of finish this point off. Just you know, we talked with uh, Cody Lorendi from uh, OKC Energy, and you know Brian Byers and Harrison Bama the other day when we were in Arizona, and they were talking about just kind of creating that culture. And at the end of the day, be a good person. You know, don't be that that teammate or that goalkeeper that wishes ill on somebody else in training or in practice. Or I, I, I have sometimes where I have sessions where you know, there's a rebound. And I always tell them like, let's keep it on frame. Let's keep it realistic. You know, obviously don't bang it and try and score, but let's try and give them a chance to make a save. And we had, you know, I've trained with some guys who will, will finish the ball and give the keeper no chance to, to, to make a save. And it comes off to me a little bit as like, you know, I'm trying to make them look as bad as possible. And it just, you don't want that tangible, like, you know, awkward feeling. And, and at the end of the day, the coach is the one who decides who plays. It's not us. Of course, we have to perform and do all that stuff. But you being a bad person or you wishing ill on somebody in training or even in the game, uh, it doesn't look good on you. It's not good for your health at the same time, too. It won't make a difference. So that's what I would say. All right. Well, we're going to have plenty to edit here from because there's some really, really good stuff. Um, I just kept saying the same thing over and over again, so we can just get rid of all of that. Uh, I <laughs> want to move on. If you guys are down. Um, we're just keeping them around. We're just keeping them around. Yeah. I mean, look, 
So do we want to do this, Mitch? Do we want to do an, uh, some some stuff about you? Because I feel like some of your our fans kind of do want to hear some of the goalkeeping stuff. I mean, it's not all. It's not often we have like a legend, a PK legend on the podcast. It's not often that we have a USL goalkeeper of the year. I guess we have actually a lot of them on. But anyway, <laughs> it's not often that we have Mitch Hildebrandt on though. Well, that's uh, how we, that's how I knew who he was. I posted a video of him like I think a year no like two or three years ago, Mitch. Uh, that crazy game you guys had. I think it was a USL playoff game. Uh, I mean, that's where I, you you became notor notoriety. Your notoriety really blew up in the in the soccer world. And I, I was really happy to to post that. Actually, someone reposted it probably like two weeks ago, and I was like, oh my god, that's actually that's Mitch. I completely <laughs> forgot. I, I, I didn't put two and two together. But uh, Mike, if you want to set the scene for that, or Mitch, if you want to set the scene for that, and I then think we- Mitch should set the scene for it. It's his. It's his. It was his moment. His one shining moment. No, it wasn't his one. Shining. <laughs> He's had other shining moments. There we go. Yeah, just the uh, – no, you're talking about the fire game? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that was a – I mean, that was a special time because, uh, you know, it's kind of documented. So, you know, you'll always see it. But um, there's just a time where we could go out and play. You know, it's cliche. You, you, we weren't expected to win. And uh, we weren't expected to beat Columbus the game before, but we did um, in, a, in a big rivalry. So when we got to the – the fire at home, 12 men and the ESPN guys up in the box. Um, first, you know, ever U.S. Open Cup game that was television, on, you know, on television through live. And it was just a, an awesome, we sold out the stadium. Um, it was just an awesome venue. So we just went in. We're like, you know, we're a good side. So let's go out and play. And that was, yeah, no one ever thinks that something's going to come down to it but um you think about it when you're growing up you know playing baseball in the in the backyard and you know ninth inning two outs you know you hit a grand slam to win the world series um and although we didn't make it to the final we didn't win the u.s open cup it was cool to to be a part of it and and give the city something because uh the city of cincinnati really embraced this club and they still are and it's cool to see um that the fans are still you know in droves going out to to see this team and it's not going to stop because they're crazy there it's it's fantastic but we we wanted to give the city something you know to be proud of and to be behind and it was just the kind of one of those moments and you know you blank out what's going on and and I was lucky enough to to save three pks and you know it was a yeah it's just one of those one of those moments where you'll live back and people are gonna be like oh you're that guy and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I was that guy. I won an MLS. I won an MLS Cup too. Yeah, there's there's like a chance. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Exactly. You're like, oh, you guys made three Ks in like a in a USL Open Cup match. You're like, yeah, I also have a championship <laughs> from arguably the most dominant franchise of last season in MLS for uh, yeah. the seventy two thousand people. But but yeah, I was the guy that. Uh, but honestly, dude, three PK saves. I feel like. There's a better chance of winning the lottery, like mega bucks or mega billions or whatever, than saving three pays two Ks. Yeah, I would I would say the same thing. Um, but how about we do you one better where it happened right before I did it? What? Seriously? Kaylor Navas did it. Wait, did Kaylor Navas do it? Oh, Omar, you would know. Is that? Uh, is he that? Did it, he did it for Real Madrid the morning of. That's. Oh my gosh. Well, now. 
now now I feel now I feel like it's just kind of such a letdown. <laughs> I was just like trying to talk about how you were such a legend, and now you're like, yeah, dude, some other dude did in the morning uh, that millions and millions of people watch. So whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, it was only a couple hundred thousand for me, and he had a <laughs> million. So, you know, I'll take it with a grain of salt. So it's you and Kayla. How about that? How about we'll put it this way: you and Kayla Davas are the two people that on the same day made three PK saves in the same game, and then we'll talk to like some U nine kid, and he'll be like, I did that too. <laughs> exactly three people yep. Mitch, three for people. for your pks what's your approach i mean we get a lot of um people i mean i get a lot of people dming me and, and you know asking hey what can i do for a pk i actually had one yesterday this kid messaged me and he said hey omar uh i actually saved 90 percent of the pks that i that i faced uh what can i do to make it 100 you like, all right. What a humble brag. Yeah, I was like, humble brag, but uh, <laughs> I was like, dude, I, I mean, I can just tell you that from, from my own personal experience, I just try and get in their head, play some mind games, stay big, and then give myself the best chance to make a save. And then, you know, we look back at like O-Block against Real Madrid. I think it was uh, 2016 or a few years back in the Champions League final, and he was already falling to one side, kind of already leaning and guessing before the ball, the ball was even shot or the run-up was even being taken. So, Mitch, for you, do you have a specific uh, – routine that you do or is there anything that you try to get into the, the forward's head anything like that yeah for me i just go into it thinking i'm i'm not expected to save it you know you're not you're not expected to save it you know when when young goalkeepers come oh can we work on penalties can we work on pks uh you don't need to work on pks <laughs> you really don't don't think about it um you maybe have what one pk against you you know as a youth player you're playing 10 games a season you're maybe taking you know somebody's taking one pk on you a season and they're expected to score just just stop okay so don't worry about penalties but for me when i go up i'm not expected to save it so i get into the mindset where like okay this is the best part of my job i'm supposed to do or i I get to do something that i'm not supposed to do I get to save a penalty, which, you know, I'm not, no one thinks I'm going to save it. So I go into it confident, like, okay, I'm going to save it. And then there's certain cues where I learn to, to pick up, you know, how they're approaching the ball, where they're approaching the ball, um, where their arms are at, you know, just their body, their body motion, their body placement, certain things that you just got to pick up, you know, throughout your career. But the main thing that I would is just relax. Don't be like, oh, I need to save 100% of your PKs. That's, that's cool, but that's not going to help you become a professional soccer player. I'll tell you that right now. Um, you know, there's professional goalkeepers that dive the opposite way and never save a single penalty. And these guys are brilliant goalkeepers. So just have, have fun with it and just go into it cocky and confident. If they score and they start cheering, be like, dude, you, you were expected to score. Okay, don't cheer. Just go back and pick up the ball. All right. <laughs> Oh, so I know my favorite is like when they, they, it's like they just place the ball into the side netting and they just like start doing flips and stuff like that. And you're like, really, you just literally did the easiest thing for you to do, <laughs> which is just open up your hips and place the ball into the side netting. Well, you exactly. saw what happened with uh, Damian Loss uh, at the Generation Adidas Cup. You saw that when the guy tried to chip him and his trailing leg kicked it out. Yeah. Yeah, so that. like you know that that's like a, the guy was already kind of walking off trying to celebrate, and then he was able to save it. So it's just it, PKs are crazy. It's just they're fun. They're fun to uh, to approach. And like Mitch said, it's just you have. I mean, no one's really expecting you to save it, so you're playing with house money. And if you make a save, you don't make a save. No one's going to blame you. But of course, us as keepers, the ego comes into play, and of course, we want to try and save as many as we possibly can. But don't let the idea of trying to save a bunch or um, that approach screw up the mentality going into it and, and leave you with no confidence. 
Dude, I feel like you should use this as a soundbite on like a video piece or something like that, Omar, of Mitch, like just saying like, hey, you, you know what? There's a lot of great professional goalkeepers out there that aren't great at PKs. Don't think that being 100%. I've never heard a coach or a scout ever be like, we're really interested in that player because he stops every PK he faces. I'll do now, you he one can't better, handle though. crosses. He can't distribute the ball. And, 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 and any ball that comes down to his legs, he can't smother. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> if you look at a, at a goalkeeper evaluation sheet, right, um, you have distribution, you have technique, you have tactical. Nowhere on that sheet will it say kicking, goal, goal kicks. Okay, I hear that one a lot. Youth goal kick. Hey, how, how can I kick it further? No, don't worry about it. Okay, um, just learn how to kick it. You know, you want to get it to your player, not how far you get it. You know, look at, you know, just an example, look at Brad with Atlanta. You know, the guy can pound it a mile, but what does he do? He plays it short every time because he gives his his team a chance. So don't worry about how far you kick it. And then there's nowhere on that sheet that says he saves penalties. It, it's, it just doesn't happen. So you're you're taking the fun out of the game when you're evaluating every single little thing. Kids are like, oh, I want to say PKs or I want to kick it for far. No, just play the game. You know, yeah. it's just have fun. I feel like that's just such a, like, just a, like a, a childhood exuberance type of thing, because like, especially with young boys, first thing they always do, they like, especially during breaks, like we'll just be doing a training session and it's like, all right guys, let's grab some water. And there's like always some dude will just grab a ball and he'll put it down. And just be like, let me take a PK on you. Uh, first off, dude, you're a goalkeeper. I don't know why you're so concerned about scoring goals on the goalkeeper coach like i don't know what that does for you and then the others just like how far can you hit your goal kicks like they always ask me like how far can you hit your punts i'm like i have no idea they're like 80 yards 90 yards i'm like no they're like well i saw so and so and he hit it like 85 yards in a game and i'm like cool do you know where did, where did it where did it go where'd it go did so, he I don't know, but he really ederson ederson we'll give i'll give ederson some credit here yeah but he's <laughs> placing the ball he knows where he's placing that ball that and again it, but it comes down to it too when we thought when we talk about like the sensationalism of, of social media and how it's like sensationalized certain techniques and certain things that when i was younger would never even a thing so like side volleys long balls you know distribution all that stuff like people start taking things out of context and start saying like oh yeah ederson can do it i'm like yeah ederson's on the best team in the in the world he's uh you know could be the easily be the starter in any country other than brazil could be a starter anywhere and you're you're putting him in the same comparison as you like their 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 environment and their situation their coaching staff they're all helping them get to that position unless you're self motivated and you have the environment and the time to go out and continuously do this over and over and over there's no way you're going to meet that so like what Mitch said follow through with the technique make sure you have the technique proper and I was talking to somebody today about it and I was just saying like when you have the foundation the structure and like a formula for everything don't doesn't really matter situation the weather uh the the wind uh, rain whatever it is as long as you have a structure to how to do a side volley to how to hit a low ball or to how to uh you know play the ball out of the back you're always going to be set up properly so that's what i would say is focus on the technique don't really worry about especially with pks don't overthink it just get in there and just sometimes too playing it live is is the best thing you can do too don't go off of information that you have from the past of oh i made a save by going right every single time i'm going to do it that way it should be different every time and you should really try and live in the moment and then from there you can kind of start reading it and have a higher iq based off of the body shape 
Did you, uh, did you guys, well, Mitch, you didn't see this, but, uh, did you like my subtle plug for, uh, the episode where we're talking about distribution and the guy's like, how can I hit my better punts and goal <laughs> kicks? And did you see how, like, I just suddenly like under my personal Instagram, I'm like, you know, you should check out o- Omar goes even more in depth on this in this episode <laughs> of this podcast. Like he's like professor goalkeeping. It's totally great. And they're like, I don't know who this guy is, but he seems to really want me to listen to Omar's podcast. People are going to come into me like, dude, you're like KD. You have like multiple Twitter accounts. You have multiple Instagram accounts. I'm like, I don't know if I choose Michael Madgett as my alias. (laughs) Your alias. (laughs) To listen to it. Um, All right, guys. This has been honestly a blast, Mitch. We need to have you back uh, sometime, man. But if uh, if anybody out there, if there's a player right now um, who's going through this transition and – or maybe, you know, like a young kid, you know, who's scared that they might not get released soon and, and they don't know what to do next and stuff like that. I know you're very accessible and stuff. Like, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Yeah, um, you know, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Mitch Hildebrandt, or actually Mitch Hilde um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just DM me, Facebook DM me. Now that I'm in real estate, my email is readily available to everybody. Um, yeah, you're a public. So, you're, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like yeah, it's so, no longer like you're a like uh, like a celebrity. No. Yeah, no, it's, it's just it, like available for everyone. I know it's weird. People, my phone's calling more than it ever has, but it, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just shoot me a message, shoot me an email, something, you know, so now that I'm doing real estate, you know, uh, stuff, Berkshire Hathaway, Michigan, home services, shameless plug, Mitch Hildebrandt, uh, <laughs> anybody looking to buy or sell a house and anybody buy, buy or sell a house in, in Michigan, call me or anybody looking to buy or sell a house countrywide, I could also find you a great real estate agent. So, Dude, we um, should have done this as an ad read. We should have done it as an ad read because we didn't have an ad read on today's episode, right? Well, we probably will in the pre-roll. When we, when brought we... to you by Mitch Hildebrandt, Mitch yeah, exactly. Real Estate. <laughs> Out the way. Um, dude, can we just use that for the uh, for the picture, for the for the episode? Can we use your real estate picture? That would be amazing. I would love that. Yeah, I'll send that to you. With the logo. <laughs> yep, with the logo, everything. Just put um, my website on there. Actually, dude, you know what would be funny is like a picture of you like with your like your ML, like with the MLS cup and then like next to it like the real estate picture and be like preparing for your career after playing. Actually, I you know what? I'll I'll I got something for you. I'll uh I'll text it to you. I'll make something. Dude, that'd be amazing. Uh Dude, Mitch, this is awesome. Um are you going to be how far are you from uh we're going to be at camp shutout in 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 Wisconsin stands mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, how far is that from you? Um, it'd be a flight. It would, um, okay. yeah, because it's across the Lake Michigan. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, I was I was thinking about seeing if I could come up for that. Um, so maybe I will. I'll call Stan and, and see what's up. But God, does Stan not know? Does Stan literally know everyone in the goalkeeping community? I feel so like he does. The only reason Stan knows me is because I was in Chicago last off season, and I was like trying to figure out who to who to train with because um, everybody had already gone back and um, a couple of the USL guys and a couple of the fire guys were training and Oakland coach Eric Pogue was like, dude, you should call Stan. And I was like, who the hell is Stan? And he goes, camp shut up. I was like, Oh, that guy. Okay. <laughs> You're like, Oh, Oh, I've seen the, I know who that is. I know who that his is. His name is camp shut out. Yeah. yeah. That's his name. So I started training with him. So he's a great dude. And, um, you know, if he wants me to come out, then I'll definitely uh, try to make it for sure. Have him give me a call. All right, dude. We'll uh, we'll we'll say that. Hey, Stan, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, uh, hit up Mitch. Uh, 
All right, dude, we're, we're out later, guys. Contacted inside the 18 media. Keep writing reviews. Uh, we're close to 100 right now. And if you're listening to this, uh, whenever we put this out, we're at 1,000 now. Uh, so, so keep those reviews <laughs> coming, and uh, we're out. Later, guys. See you guys. All right.